Hello, listeners. This is the part where I usually say, this is your host and Game Master, Kat. Except this week, I'm not your host or Game Master, because as you've seen from the episode title, we're doing a one-shot. A tropical storm knocked out power for, like, the entirety of North Jersey and a large swath of New England. So I didn't have time to edit the episode because I was without power for 30 hours. Instead, Erica has recorded a one-shot of the single-player RPG that I designed for the Solo Games Jam, which you can find linked in the show notes. I hope you all enjoy Erica's time with The Fear is Just a Lie. And if you'd like to participate in the Solo Games Jam, there's still time for you to submit a single-player RPG. Just check out that link in the show notes to find out more. In the meantime, I'll let Erica take it from here, but have a good rest of the episode. We'll be back to our regular schedule starting next week. I appreciate everyone's patience. Obviously, I'm not very happy that I lost two whole days worth of work, but hey, at least we have some cool content. Enjoy. Greetings, listeners. As you've heard, nature has conspired against us in bringing you an episode this week. So you're all stuck with me. Today, I'm going to be playing Fear is Just a Lie, a solo RPG by Kathleen Bader. Yes, the one you heard at the beginning of the episode. Fear is Just a Lie is a journaling game, which could ultimately serve as the backdrop for a horror RPG. I'll be adapting it a bit for audio, so this recording isn't just the sound of me scribbling into a journal. Um, but I'll jump back in between sections to let you know exactly what's going on with the game. That being said, section one is all about establishing the town. So... Let me tell you a tale. A tale in five parts. A tale of Haytham City, South Dakota. Haytham City, South Dakota is named after General Luke Haytham, the brave leader of the 51st Infantry. It was Haytham's troops, after all, who discovered gold in the southern Black Hills. Well, they were the white men who discovered gold, anyway. You and I both know that Lakota were there long prior. And particularly the Oglala Sioux, to use their proper name. The Black Hills were, and remain to this day, sacred land, which we removed them from by force. But I'm not here to tell you about the atrocities of my ancestors. That's not my story to tell. No, I'm here to tell you about a curse. Phase two, an ancient evil. So at the beginning of every phase for the rest of this game, 
I'm going to be drawing four cards from a standard French playing card deck. You know, 52 suited cards, two jokers. Um, those cards are going to tell me what questions I should ask. And depending on the suit of the cards, I answer with a particular emotion. So for instance, for phase two, I drew the jack of spades, the six of spades, the two of diamonds, and the nine of hearts. So the jack of spades tells me to ask the question, where is the evil centralized to? Answer in hatred. The six of spades asks, did the curse draw other malevolence to the town? Answer in hatred. Two of diamonds? Is the curse of human origin or preternatural? Answer in sorrow. And the nine of hearts? What is the nature of the curse? Answer in fear. So, let me start off by telling you about the summer of 1883. Haytham City was a booming gold town, population hovering around 425 registered citizens, not to mention everyone who lived around the outskirts. Gambling, hunting, fur trading, and, of course, gold mining. In fact, that summer, Haytham City had just opened a new shaft along a new gold lead to the north, and more and more homesteaders were already arriving, daily trying to get their fill. It was that summer that Robert Lees came down with the first documented case of a disease. This comes from the journal of his wife, Dorothy Lees. He stayed in bed for two days and established a strong sweat. His head was hot to the touch, and so I did my best using turpentine to cool him. After those two days, Robert returned to me, but he seemed worried, as though the fever would come back come back for him. Not long after, there were a dozen more reported similar cases. The local doctor dubbed it mine fever, as everyone who caught it had worked in the new shaft. Then, about two weeks later, Robert Lees went missing in the night. Along with every bit of gold he had ever found. Dorothy never saw him again. Our only hint where he might have gone comes from Kirsten Olgastadir, a relatively new citizen of Haytham City, who reported that she had seen a man early that morning walking alone into the north shaft before the sun had risen. Of course, we can't be sure that was Robert, but 
the disappearances didn't stop with him. The timelines vary, but every single man who came down with mind fever eventually disappeared. Phase 3. Quelling the Wrath. As in the previous phase, we're going to draw four more cards, and those cards are going to ask us four more questions. The Three of Clubs. What physical manifestation does the Quell have? Answer in exasperation. Ten of Spades. What does it look and feel like inside the quell? Answer in pride. Two of Clubs. How often does the quell require upkeep? Answer in exasperation. And Ace of Hearts. What sacred place was destroyed or sacrificed? Answer in skepticism. Needless to say, Haytham City was shaken by the disappearance of these men. While some immediately blamed the new mineshaft, there were just as many voices blaming local food, water, the wrath of God, or naturally um, the local Indian tribes. In fact, George Haytham, uh, General Luke Haytham's son and the mayor of Haytham City at that time, was among the loudest, proclaiming the men to have been kidnapped by natives and encouraged citizens to form raiding parties and go searching for them. As a side note to you, listener, George Haytham was, rightfully, if you'll allow me to editorialize, killed two years later in September of 1885 during a raiding party on a native village. All the while this was happening, while people were trying to argue about who to blame, more folks were arriving in Haytham City and still traveling down the north shaft in search of gold. Sure enough, sooner or later, they all got sick. Their delusions became progressively worse. In a moment of lucidity, one man, Ralph Peterson, claimed the mine was in his head and that it was impossible to stop the thoughts. When asked to clarify what those thoughts were, he couldn't offer any further details other than screaming. Another man, a German immigrant named Ulrich Schumacher, was merely quoted as saying, Die Wunden Blüten. This roughly translates as, the walls are bleeding. The north shaft was boarded up 
two months later, in August 1883. By that time, 31 men had gone missing in Haytham City, South Dakota. But the lure of gold is great, and within three days, the boards were torn down by new citizens looking to get rich. And so, three days after that, the entrance was barricaded with boulders and wooden planks, all buried in sand and soil. Men were back inside within a week. One of those men, Hector Castlin, offers us the only known written description of the inside of the north shaft. It is quiet inside now. Most men are afraid to come in, and I understand why. The mine is too quiet, save for the breeze blowing in and out, carrying with it the heat and the humidity of deep below. It is on that breeze that I hear a promise of wealth, having a conversation with the promise of death that others have made to me. There is no further written record from Hector Castlin. About two weeks later, following much protesting and debating, the entry shaft to the mine was caved in with dynamite to the extent that no man would ever return to the north shaft. Phase four, when there was peace. Three of clubs. Where did the town see overblown success? Answer in delight. Ace of spades. What industry did the town build around? Answer in gratefulness. Ten of hearts. What became of the descendants of the cursed? Answer in determination. Seven of hearts. How did peace weaken the town's resolve? Answer in determination. And so, as in all things, time passed. While word of the disappearing miners spread across the frontier, they were joined by dozens of other stories. Stories of ghosts and cryptozoological creatures. Tall tales. The voices of wives and children telling stories of their missing husbands and fathers eventually faded as Haytham City evolved. Some gold mining continued in the southern shaft, 
but as easier leads were found further west, mining moved on. As the century turned, Haytham City changed. It became a home for tourists from cities who wanted to experience the Wild West. Casinos, saloons, and hotels became larger and more luxurious. Well, Haytham Mining, now formally incorporated as a company, eventually shut its doors in Haytham City and closed down the southern mineshaft. Of course, the northern shaft had long since blended into the mountain, as erosion smoothed over any rough edges, which there may have once been. Life in Haytham City continued. It prospered, even. It changed, but that's the nature of life. And really, that was the end of our story. Until recently. Phase 5. The Simmering Return. Four of Diamonds. Is there a pattern to the signs of the return? Answer in bewilderment. Two of Hearts. Whose disappearance heralded the return? Answer in regret. Seven of Spades. Whose visions can you trust? Answer in defense. Eight of Hearts. What stopgap measure failed it to yield warnings? Answer in regret. As it turns out, old deep mine shafts make great particle physics laboratories. Sounds crazy, right? But it's true. The old, dense rock blocks most cosmic rays. And so if you're trying to avoid false positives on your ultra-sensitive billion-dollar neutrino or dark matter detector, a mile-high pile of granite on top of you is a pretty great way to do it. So in 2005, when the holding company with the land rights sold the mine to a bunch of nerds, some folks in Haytham City were taken aback. But any surprise turned quickly into pride, as what other tourist getaway could also boast about having a cutting-edge physics lab a mile underneath them. 
it was about a decade later. In 2016, the lab had run out of room. The hard thing about running out of room when you're a mile underground is that your only option is digging. And so the lab hired. And so the lab hired an engineering company to survey the stone around them and determine the best place for them to dig. What they weren't expecting was to find a second shaft. But the in-ground radar couldn't be wrong about this. A thousand feet to the north of their current lab, there was a shaft, and it ran even deeper than the one they were in right now. This would be the opportunity of a lifetime. After blasting a new entrance into the north shaft, it was all still there. Sure, the support structures were old and made of wood, but wood holds up pretty well in old mines. The first one down was Kevin Hughes, an engineer whose job was determining if the old structures were suitably stable to allow a feasibility study to commence for a new lab location. After he gave the AOK, the second one down was Kira Lee, a scientist from Yale whose job was scouting out the drifts at the bottom of the shaft for locations large enough for their new laboratory. Two days later, Kira Lee had a bad fever. Five days later, Kira Lee was said to be babbling about tunnels and was involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric ward. Ten days later, Kiralee broke out and was never seen again. After Kira developed a fever, the entrance was gated and locked off until it could be determined what sort of microbe or disease Kira had caught down there. And listeners, that makes me the third one down in the mine. You see, my great-great-grandfather was Robert Lees. You might remember him from the beginning of the recording. And unlike the rest of Haytham City... I remember stories my great-grandmother told me about her father and how he disappeared. All my research, all my years digging through 
diaries, all my years learning old stories from Oglala Sioux. They all lead to this moment. <laughs> they, they called me here to, to this place. To, to, oh my God. The walls. The walls are bleeding. This story was written, edited, performed, and produced by me. Erica Belsas. Its story was enabled by Fear is Just a Lie by Kathleen Bader. You can catch me on Twitter at Belsas or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Belsas. That's B-E-L-S-A-A-S. Did you enjoy this experiment? Let us know. We're at Sosas Media on Twitter, or even better, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We might shout you out. I didn't put a mid-roll in, as it didn't seem right for this sort of mini-sode. But if you love great coffee, and you want to support a black, LGBT-owned roaster, check out Grinding Coffee Co., you can use our code SOSAS at checkout for a discount, and it helps support SOSAS Media. Personally, I recommend the Six Bean Blend. Chicks with Dice is a SOSAS Media production. You can support us on Patreon to gain bonus cuts of shows, and in the future, more stuff like this. So, until next time... Sorry if I spooked you too much. <laughs>